Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast that delivers cutting-edge food as medicine solutions for optimal health. Allie Miller is a nutrition expert sought up by the media and America's top medical institutes for her revolutionary functional medicine interventions. From disease treatment to prevention, every episode will empower you with ways to put yourself back in control of your health. Please note, the topics discussed are for educational purposes only. Now welcome, Integrative Dietitians Allie Miller and her co-host Becky Yu. Welcome to the Naturally Nourished Podcast. You are joining us for episode 282, Breaking Bad Habits, Making New Patterns. In today's episode, we are going to dig in deeper to some of the deep emotional stuff that is kind of a different layer than the functional medicine element, um, especially with regards to habits and, and cravings. Um, with the women's wellness retreat coming up this month, we've been digging into just some introspective work, you know, within ourselves and, and certainly ongoing with our clients. Yeah, in fact, I came up with this episode and kind of squeezed it in, if you will, after a Patreon Live that I did in February a couple weeks back. A follower was sharing in their question, I can't seem to stay on track. I feel awesome when I'm eating clean keto, but I find myself falling off time and time again. And I realized that this is much more common than just for this individual, that so many of our podcast listeners, followers on social channels, readers of the anti-anxiety diet, participants in our keto program, and clients of our Naturally Nourished Clinic deal with this same repeating cycle of, you know, if I'm on a beat the bloat cleanse or a 10-day detox, I can totally knock it out of the park. But once I'm on my own, quote unquote, or in that middle ground, the staying on track can be really slippery and difficult. And even though people know they feel amazing when they're on plan, sometimes those bad habits can come up in sneaky ways and especially at times when we're vulnerable, stressed, and depleted. So we're going to kind of tackle a lot of those areas of, you know, risk factors, I suppose, to falling into bad habits. We're going to talk about neurotransmitters, affirmations, some of the, yes, more emotional, spiritual elements to this of making these long permanent changes. And I think this is just really great content uh, for all of us in all of our wellness journey. Yes, and, and I mentioned the women's wellness retreat coming up. Um, this is actually the last call to snag a spot. We've got a couple of beds left um, and a few day passes kicking around uh, that you guys can still purchase over at AllieMillerRD.com, but we are closing sales this week. Yes. Um, and I know, Allie, you've put a lot of you know time into just curation of, of this event. Um, we're really excited to share literally all our favorite things as well as, you know, dig deep into ourselves a little bit for a, a necessary recharge. I know we're both already trying to navigate the childcare for a whole weekend away, like many of you are, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're like, oh, like as, as much as I'm like, oh, I don't want to be away from Stella. I'm also like, wow, I haven't been away from Stella in a really long yeah. time. It's going to be yeah. really interesting to like feel my own heartbeat for a couple days and just kind of really tap in. And so in today's episode, we're going to be talking about digging into new patterns, reward seeking, stress cravings, and how we can create new patterns and rituals. And I think that at this time, as far as what this retreat can offer, again, just kind of as the last call, 
a lot of us are finding ourselves burned out, depleted, and just in this like function mode versus this thrive mode. I used to talk about this idea of this kind of like awakening I had when I was running my own clinic and doing all the things, everything on paper looked well, the business was growing, go, 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 go. But I really felt like this visual of hanging on to the bumper of the vehicle of my body versus sitting in the driver's seat. So, you know, I think once I finally had this aha moment of how important this was, then I became a mother in 2016. Then I moved to Austin from Houston. Then I shifted my whole company virtual, signed a book deal, then the pandemic. And I think that personally I can see as I kind of pause back and look back that there's multiple times that I've gotten back into that driver's seat and then like the wheel <laughs> has gone awry. And, um, you know, I really want this time of this weekend retreat and also some of the thoughts for those of you that can attend, at least what we're seeding in today's episode to really um, shine a bright light of the importance of holding the line on maintaining your own control of your wellness and your health and, um, you know, continuing to find that sovereignty of your own self-care. Okay. So before we get into, um, examining patterns and, and cravings and all the things, um, let's just have some more updates. So yes, first thing is, um, get your spot in the retreat. This is the final call um, over at AllieMillerRD.com. You can see in the dropdown what spaces are actually still available for purchase. Otherwise, it will say out of stock. Um, so there's a few room options and a few of the three-day passes, which allow you access to all of the events, you know, from the time everybody's waking up to the time that they go to bed, but you'll be sleeping offsite if you do the three-day pass. And so that would be a good option if you're local or staying with a friend in the area. Absolutely. And when we're talking about new patterns and motivation, inspiration, staying on track, I can't help but think of our 12-week food as medicine keto plans. Um, We've had such awesome feedback on here. So I want to share from one of my Patreon followers, Megan. She messaged me, just wanted to send you a line saying that I've been loving the 12-week recipes. They're super helpful and beyond tasty. I'm a cook myself, but times are busy and it's so nice how you have it laid out to include everything including the shopping list and matrix and the food is medicine info is an added bonus thank you um so i just love seeing this and we will be sure to link the meal plan uh in the show notes uh it's a great way to stay on track and you know also to note sharing from patreon this is really where i am communicating with most of you so as y'all know i've been or as y'all might not know actually i should say there's been another couple aggressive rounds of shadow ban on instagram so what has happened over there becky let's see <laughs> I, I was banned in started with masks yeah Yeah, I was banned in mid-February when I mentioned when the CDC put their update about how cloth masks are not effective and we were starting to see some influence of schools in California New York City of trying to get children to shift to KN95 masks Uh, and I did address that on a podcast a couple weeks back about of course how this would be much more harmful how these masks are designed for medical professionals they should be fitted Um, we've seen in in trained medical professionals issues with hypoxia or lack of oxygenation as well as excessive carbon dioxide levels we've seen migraines brain fog difficulty in concentration and focus and so in my post I just had said um, that 
you know, there have never been any studies on masks being protective uh, for children, and we have not compared in schools that did and did not mask with outbreak or safety, and um, we have not assessed the safety for children to wear them for eight-hour days for a continued period of time, and that parents should be angry. And apparently me rallying up the troops or something along that line um, got me quite, quite intensely shadow banned to the level that now, even if you're making a delicious recipe from my anti-anxiety diet or the meal plans, you can't tag my account at Allie Miller RD. So um, that was a big aha. And I was hoping it was two weeks. It's now gone past a month. And it sounds like Instagram and the technocrats out there are really doing whatever they can to squash my brand and sharing empowering information because just last week um, I was banned for sexual solicitation and um, the, this is the phrase from the the warning guidelines. Their guidelines are to encourage people to express themselves in a way that's respectful to everyone. Hmm. And what I got banned from with sexual solicitation, you're all like, what? I've never seen this side of Allie. Well, this is what my quote was that apparently was not um, expressive and respectful to everyone. I said that this keto green smoothie can be a good source of nutrient density for breastfeeding mamas. Ooh, I'm offended. I know. And so I sat with it for a while and I'm like, what in the world? How could this, is breastfeeding too sexual? I'm like, is breastfeeding too sexual? There's pages that have visuals, which they should. Breastfeeding Mm -hmm. should be normalized. It's a healthy, actual connection of baby. I mean, there's so many benefits, of course, as you all know, of breastfeeding. So I was like, the word breastfeeding couldn't be offensive. And come to see that because of the movement of the tech industry and I guess wokeness in the world, breastfeeding mamas is not sensitive to chest feeding persons oh yeah okay so if, no no comment <laughs> you can tell by my voice <laughs> i mean i it's just such a disservice and sad right. thing that you know again this was a nourishing green smoothie with protein and i was literally saying how you know breastfeeding mamas when they're holding their baby with one hand can get nourishment and it's so important to get nourishment in those early times which is still so important and there are breastfeeding mamas out there that are struggling right. for nutrient-dense options, inspiration, and guidance. And it's really sad to know that my message will continue to be suppressed and censored and that the Food is Medicine info that I'm trying to share with everyone may not be able to hit um, in that avenue. So, And what a slap in the face for women who have breastfed their children for over a year. I'm offended as a breastfeeding mother. Well, not currently breastfeeding, but as a past breastfeeding mother. Yes. Yep. Um, I'm going to stick with. <laughs> I feel like I earned that that badge. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So if oh, yeah. you do want to stay connected with me in some social capacity, uh, Patreon is the place to do it. It's unfiltered. That is where I'm sharing up-to-date information and doing my once-a-month live Q&A, Ask Allie Anything. And again, that's kind of what seeded today's conversation. So we talk about anything from the bad season to immune to children's ear infections to cardiometabolic health, autoimmune health, gut stuff, you name it. That's the only place that I'm direct messaging followers. And that's the only place where I'm doing a monthly live Q&A for just $10 a month. You can actually join for as little as $3 a month. Um, There's a $3, $5, $10, and $25. And when you do the $25 purchase, you get the live Q&A plus discounts on all of your naturally nourished supplements. So if you're a regular supplement purchaser, that might be worth looking into. That's at patreon.com slash AllieMillerRD. 
And let's just talk a minute, Becky, about how people can support us in the world of, I guess, Instagram and Facebook and some of the things that we've kind of seen. (laughs) I mean, my reels are hitting, so I don't know if that's Uh helping get us out of the doghouse. I don't think so. I think you have to use the let's get vaccinated sticker, Allie. No. (laughs) There's just something against my I know. I know. I'm totally joking. Um, But, you know, because we likely do, you know, plan to stay on these platforms in some capacity. Right. Um, right. That's where I post like the update of the podcast drop for the week and, um, you know, research studies and all of the things. And we're really trying to tiptoe, but still yeah. not making them. I mean, I didn't even know happy. you had to tiptoe right. around breastfeeding moms. I didn't know that either. Whatever. So, who knew? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, aside from tagging Allie Miller RD, which tried to do it because mm-hmm. some people have successfully been able to, but not most um you can still go and save the post correct yes okay mm-hmm. and you can still use so saving is like that badge looking icon in the bottom right of a post mm-hmm. and that's helpful that shows that it was important content or valued content forwarding the post which is that like airplane looking thing i think most people can still do that so forwarding to a friend or even someone in your household it doesn't matter but forwarding does help with algorithms um, you can tag with the at sign and then just do a space and type in ali millardi so people can't tap that but they could still at least mm-hmm. learn the source and i've seen people doing that which i appreciate and then you can also tag our backup instagram page which maybe we need to start co-posting on i don't know which is naturally nourished rd um, is it RD or just naturally nourished actually on Instagram? Becky's going to look. Naturally nourished I think RD, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. Because um, I know people have asked me for it. So I'm thinking it might just be naturally nourished. Naturally nourished RD. Okay, it is. So at naturally nourished RD can still be tagged. That one has not been banned. Um, but I am going to start cross posting everything over to Patreon. So for those of you that also have not liked Instagram, Facebook, and all these places because it's putting you in a scroll hole, talk about dopamine depletion and cravings and what that does to our brain chemistry in today's topic. You know, I think that the Patreon could be a great way to still stay up to date on what we're doing here without all of the distraction and buzz that you're getting on your overall social feed. So that might be an, you know, good alternate for you as well. Yes, totally. Okay. Other updates beyond the social media space and all of the crazy. Let's see. So we're going to link the retreat, last options. We're going to link the meal plans. We're going to link the Patreon page. The last update for us is our Beat the Bloat class, which is coming in April through May. This is the first time that we've done a program for Beat the Bloat. So participants will be able to view and actively engage in three live classes, April 6th, April 27th, and May 18th. And these are going to be in the evening. These are Wednesday evening classes. Uh, This is going to be only $65, which is a crazy value um, for these three classes. You're also going to get seven weeks of support on our Slack page, which is an independent chat forum, which Becky and I will be directly moderating. You will all get the updated version of the Beat the Bloat ebook, which has the entire protocol, and you'll all get discounts on the MRT and or stool test if the gut still, as you get into the three-week, four-week mark, still isn't starting to see improvements and you need to dig deeper. Uh, Let's just real quick touch on who would be a good candidate for the Beat the Bloat program and where they can register. Yes. So if you've been thinking about doing Beat the Bloat for a while, but maybe you feel like you need some accountability 
this would be a really good um, investment for you. But especially those who are dealing with, I think, skin conditions is the first thing that come to mind. So um, whether it's acne or or cystic or hormonal acne, uh, that's been probably one of our biggest, you know, visuals, I guess, of of a testimonial for this program. Um, So from acne to eczema to psoriasis to other skin conditions, that would be huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And then obviously the namesake beat the bloat if we're dealing with bloating, distension, just can't nail it down. It's like, you know, not just certain foods, but every food we're getting that like food baby distension, um, excessive gas or belching um, or constipation or diarrhea, kind of any combination of, of, you know, bowel abnormalities. I think Mm -hmm. those would be really good candidates. Um, And then the fertility space is a big one where we've talked about on several podcasts at this point, um, you know, the connection of hormones in our gut microbiome, um, also some of those compounds in the Beat the Bloat Cleanse kind of working to reset that uterine lining and and creating a more favorable um, space uh, in terms of implantation. Uh, So those would be kind of the the biggies. Who else? Depression, anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Depression, anxiety would be huge there because we know when the gut's working for us, we make more serotonin and GABA. We know when the gut's working against us, we make more adrenaline or epinephrine. So that would be a huge piece of the puzzle. And then anyone in the autoimmune world and just immune support Um, so if it's post-infection or if we're dealing with an autoimmune condition really we're looking to plow the gut to reseed it and pollinate it with favorable bacteria to have an optimal microbiome because we know that the microbiome plays such a harness in whole body health so I think that this would be a good fit for anyone for a first round as well as those who are beat the bloat veterans Um, I have clients that literally have done the beat the bloat cleanse you know, semi-annually or even quarterly um, or, you know, maybe three quarters of the year. They're going to do three cleanses throughout the year. And this might be their fifth or sixth, but this program is going to have so much troubleshooting and ways to layer things in that I think that this would answer a lot of questions for those of you that have attempted it, maybe had great success at it, but are just looking to take it next level. So you can go on over to AllieMillerRD.com under books and programs. You can snag a spot for just $65, crazy crazy value here to do the beat the bloat program which is going to be the three live classes and all of the benefits noted yes and that's definitely the program with like the highest level of email inquiry into like i'm having this symptom is this normal or or when you used to answer dms i'm sure you got tons and tons about that program so we are really looking to facilitate um a, a you know, successful cleanse for you guys and just answer all of your questions. Yes. And if you are doing the program, make sure that you jump on top of purchasing your Beat the yeah, Bloat bundle yeah. of supplements so that we make sure that you have all of your materials and your supplements ready to rock when we start as a group. Yes. Okay. Last but not least, before we get into things, let's just have a brief word from our sponsor for this episode, Santa Cruz Medicinals. Yes. So y'all know that we are big proponents of CBD or cannabidiol, which is the non-psychoactive component from cannabis that has anti-inflammatory and neurological supporting influence in the body. The human body is wired with an endocannabinoid system or ECS and this endocannabinoid system interplays with our brain gut access as well as our neurological system through that central nervous system response. So when we work with CBD we can actually get a down regulation of that fight or flight response which can be very tonifying for anxiety. We can see also reduced Um, depression and mood 
regulation when we work with CBD. We know that CBD can reduce brain inflammation in general, which is a part of that mechanism. We know that CBD also has favorable influence on immune and inflammatory response. So whether it's inflammation from post-exercise impact or inflammation from food sensitivity, CBD is a really great harness for your neuroimmune inflammatory system. So we recommend that you go on over to scmedicinals.com and you use the code AllieMillerRD at checkout. Again, that's scmedicinals for santacruzmedicinals.com. And we are big proponents of them because of all of the CBD on the market, they really provide purity and potency. So their formulas do not have additives, binders, or stabilizers. I love their just pure CBD in MCT oil tinctures, which can be at quite potency, like 83 milligrams per ml. This allows you to really have a dosage that will have a clinical impact. Many of the formulas on the market have 10, 15 milligrams, and we're really not going to see efficacy until we hit that 50 milligram world. Um, in fact, our friends at Santa Cruz Medicinals recommend you do a 100 milligram challenge for a week, and then you adjust your dose from there. So go on over to scmedicinals.com, check out their deep sleep capsules, their MCT oil tinctures, and they will be a sponsor of our Women's Wellness Workshop. We're actually, each participant is going to be getting a SC, a Santa Cruz Medicinals tincture for CBD. And then we'll be doing some CBD mocktails on our opening party night with like their guava and their watermelon tincture, which I'm super excited to cool. craft up as uh -huh. a mocktail. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's jump in. Let's talk cravings and why they occur in the first place. So what's actually happening both in the brain and in the body when we experience a craving. Yeah, and so when we're talking about cravings in the world of food, it's important to actually note that the number one substance of abuse in the US is actually food. There are over 70 million food addicted adults in the US, and this has a huge role, of course, in our obesity epidemic. And honestly, I pulled that value pre-pandemic, and so I would only assume that with fear anxiety, and lack of control over your day-to-day -day outcomes, that food addiction even skyrocketed further. And we're seeing that where people were saying, you know, the COVID-15 and so much more. The concern is that the food industry uses additives in processed foods that act as excitotoxins. And these compounds not only drive oxidative stress in the body and inflammation, but excitotoxins or hyperpalatable compounds will intensify the taste and the feeling or the actual neurochemical response following consumption. So when we're looking at processed foods, and again, the word processed foods, a lot of my listeners are probably like, well, I don't eat processed foods. And it's like, well, where's the line of when we're talking about the flavored Siete chips versus the non-flavored? Sure. You know, there, there's definitely when we're looking at hyperpalatability and dynamic flavor response, we know right now that the food industry has food scientists that are literally working to set up cravings and addictive patterns with their food-like creations, or what I love to call chemical shitstorms. Um, there was a rat study that was done by a neuroscience professor, and they found that Oreos showed to be as addictive as cocaine. Um, they found that eating the Oreo cookie actually activated more neurons in the brain's pleasure center um, than the exposure of drugs of abuse. And a lot of this comes down to the function of our hippocampus. So 
The hypocampus in the brain is important for memory. It plays a big role with reinforcing reward-seeking behaviors that drive cravings. And so when we're looking at the hippocampus, there's one component of it that plays a role in reward mechanisms and helps us to form habits, including food-related ones. And then the other component of the hypothalamus plays a big role with the emotional connections between foods and cravings. Okay, and sounds like a good time to maybe talk about some of the neurotransmitter connection here as well. Let's talk dopamine and and that influence. Yeah, so when we look at neurotransmitters, these are often a root cause of addiction or cravings. So we think of how we can optimize and balance neurotransmitters. And for someone that's dealing with dynamic cravings and really feeling like they're white knuckling and and they've tried some of the lifestyle support that we'll suggest in today's episode um, but they really are also feeling you know with brain chemistry imbalanced with maybe ADHD or depression or anxiety or insomnia or other mood disturbances this is where I'd probably start with ordering the Labrix Neurohormone Complete mm-hmm. Plus panel because this will help you to really understand specifically which neurotransmitter is low um, because so many can play a dynamic role with addiction or craving. So, you know, when we're doing the neurotransmitter panel, we're going to be able to look at your glutamate levels, your dopamine levels, your GABA, your serotonin, um, and that'll help us to really dial directly. But each of those play an integral role in our satisfaction or reward seeking and um, also satiety, bliss centers, and so much more. So glutamate, is actually one that we see highly associated with sugar cravings. Glutamate deficiency has been shown to drive behaviors associated with brain fog, anxiety, and addictive behaviors. And we've seen glutamine used actually in some rehab facilities for alcoholism and drug rehabilitation. So the amino acid L-glutamine, which would be found in our GI lining, um, getting about three grams, which would be one of our scoops of the GI lining powder under the tongue, can really give an instant relief for sugar cravings. It will support and cross that blood-brain barrier. Um, Glutamine can also drive GABA production, but specifically glutamine on its own is the one that we tend to see with addictive tendencies. And um, this is one that we've seen used in rehab facilities. So GI lining powder would be great. Bone broth would be another rich form of glutamine that could be a more food as medicine strategy. Sure. So like sipping on bone broth, you know, where you normally have an after dinner craving for chocolate or you know we're finding ourselves like munching crunching I think that's a really nice like nightcap for a lot of people and doing maybe the fond bone broth so it feels special more indulgent feels more indulgent um but doing like a a cup or so of that at night to kind of seal the tank and and close the door on the kitchen if that tends to be your timestamp of of snacking yeah and wherever your risk factor is if it's that four o'clock witching hour of you know kids coming home and you know the transition of the household um i think that the sipping on the bone broth is a beautiful option because it also doesn't open up at that three four o'clock snack time crunching munching or um digging into the what do i feel like buffet style eating Uh you know like there's so many clients of mine that will have like a planned staple snack of like okay if you want crunchy we can do cucumbers with hummus or we can do a tzatziki you know, sauce um, with raw veg crudite or guac with pork rinds. Um, it's like, okay, so I did the crunchy and then I wanted something sweet. So then I went for a piece of dark chocolate mm-hmm. and then I went for, and at that point, you're really actually 
definitely more conditioning your brain chemistry to want these different reward bliss factors um, satiated and kind of that ringing of the bell. Whereas the bone broth, you're not chewing, so you're not creating that stimulus. And it's also kind of a set standard savory, which I think doesn't upregulate as much of that buffet style. What do I feel like? What do I want? What am I craving kind of thing? Totally. And at the same time, you're repleting this potential deficiency that can drive the behavior in the first place. And I think that's a really big factor here and and especially when we get into like low dopamine as a reason for mm-hmm. cravings as well. Yeah, so dopamine's a big one and this is, you know, our bliss center. And dopamine is going to be produced by the adrenal glands. A lot of people don't tend to recognize that or think of that. So we burn through both serotonin and dopamine when we're stressed. And um, if we're dealing with adrenal fatigue or perpetuated stress issues, or um, we know that we have lower cortisol levels, then we probably also have low dopamine levels. And so over time, the chronic stress can drive that adrenal insufficiency, and this is where dopamine can be impacted. Um, So if someone's running low dopamine, I would first start with the adrenal support, which is the glandular compound. Um, This is going to aid in those adrenal gland production of dopamine. And then we're looking at Calm and Clear as another considered supplement here. Um, This is going to be able to modulate that fight or flight stress response and calm down that stress impact and that kind of impulse agitation irritability mode. Um, And then also I would think of in the world of low dopamine actually our thyroid support formula because this actually has L-tyrosine in it. And so tyrosine is the amino acid that is going to aid with dopamine production specifically. So, you know, if you're not feeling fight or flight right now, maybe it would be that adrenal support and the thyroid optimizer, especially if you're someone that's dealing with lower energy, um, that's going to give you that fill to that void so you're not externally seeking that emptiness that we're feeling. Totally. Um, And then low GABA can be another reason for lack of impulse control. And this is where the GABACOM is such a fantastic tool, again, like used in the timestamp of craving. So I'll often have clients take one of these at that like 3 to 4 p.m. when they, you know, mindlessly open the fridge and like go for a 10-minute walk while it acts it. Yeah. Well, it kicks in. I think that's huge. And then what you're doing there is you're creating a new ritual, right? So you're saying that you're going to, you're, you're experiencing a craving. You're going to mitigate that impulse by giving yourself that, what I've called GABACOM for many people, calorie-free glass of wine or a little bit of that steam train valve release. So you're not feeling agitated and bitey and looking to, to numb or escape. And then you're actually escaping. <laughs> I like that. You know, you're getting out of the house, mm-hmm. getting some sunshine, um, grounding maybe a little bit if you put some bare feet on the ground or at least just grounding in nature, um, looking at organic shapes, listening to the birds. All of that can put us into more of a parasympathetic space, which is going to harness the craving. And then you're starting to really rewire a bad habit and creating a new routine, which is a proactive measure of making a new pattern. So I think that that's part of the way there. Okay, and then as we're talking parasympathetic and sympathetic, um, you know, we got to talk about stress. Yes. Um, so we know that stress and, and you know, even poor sleep, which in and of itself is going to be a stressor on the body. Yeah. This can really drive dynamic cravings for certain foods. It can also diminish our willpower. Yes, and, and perpetuate unhealthy habits yep. for sure. Yep. So we know that cortisol, when elevated and is, of course, released from chronic stress response, it 
it actually can change the brain's response to lower dopamine levels and increased cravings. We know that stress and cortisol elevations has been associated with increased levels of the hormone ghrelin, which when I learned about that, I always thought of the word gremlin, which is, you know, going to activate stronger cravings and hunger, especially this like insatiable hunger. So this is where I would really push with this individual, the calm and clear, where we're really looking again to kind of harness that fight or flight response. Um, And it is important because this is multifactorial in the sense that when we go for something that is sugary and high fat, the combination of fat and carbohydrate um, can maintain dopamine level elevation. Um, And so this is where when we're stressed, we think of the things like the crunchy salty chips or the french fries or the donuts or the ice cream. Many of these are going to have a combination of that starch or sweet and salt and fat and that will create dopamine elevation but it's not going to replete the dopamine tank if you will and so you're getting from an already lower suppressed dopamine level that ding that reward signal and then the dopamine levels actually over time get further depleted because dopamine is not going to be rebounded unless we are consuming high amounts of vitamin c as well as that l-tyrosine and in that world of l-tyrosine we're really looking at getting ample protein and amino acids so it's really important with what we do provide our body with at times of craving so that we're looking to work upstream um, versus downstream and then perpetuating that deficiency. Totally. Um, And so common clear you said would be a big intervention here and that would be an ongoing kind of daily stress support. And then sleep, right? We started to talk about sleep. So there was a study out of UC Berkeley and they looked at scans of brains of 23 healthy adults um, after a normal night's sleep and then after a sleepless night. And they found that there was impaired activity in the sleep-deprived brain's frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe is the area that governs our complex decision-making. And they saw that there was increased activity in deeper brain centers that respond to rewards. So the participants favored unhealthy snacks and junk food when they were sleep-deprived, which is pretty wild. And I think that, you know, we go for more caffeine often. We go for more of the quick fix, pick-me-up. yeah. Yep. And so, you know, it's interesting to see that actual, you know, brain scan change also perpetuated then by the behavior shift. And so the first priority here would be getting quality deep sleep. This is where using like our sleep support could be a really great tool to ensure that you really are getting that that knockout, if you will, or that deep restful quality of sleep. Um, and then yes, like I mentioned, four to six of the calm and clear. And I would layer in adaptogen boost here. If we're not sure if we're dealing with adrenal insufficiency or adrenal burnout, this is where adaptogen boost would help us to adapt to the stress without going into that deep level fatigue and burnout of the adrenal glands. Okay, so really good supplement recommendations kind of off the cuff. Um, and then um, lifestyle-wise, let's talk routine shift and patterns in um, especially how things feel, you know, within this last two years, kind of out of control or, yeah. you know. Ever-changing policies. Uh-huh, ever-changing <laughs> policies, dangling carrot, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then, you know, whether we're working in an office or at home, I feel like that makes a big difference in routine or lack thereof. Totally, yeah. So, I mean, 
the first thing to acknowledge is that when there's dynamic shifts that are outside of our control, it's often human nature to go into like a rebellious phase. Um, and often this is, we want to kind of deny our current situation as our reality and purposefully push against this new structure. Um, and so this could be seen with frustration. This could be seen with resistance. And unfortunately, when we resist these types of changes, this can drive more helplessness or a lack of control or like the guilt shame cycle of what I call the vicious cookie cycle of, you know, I'm angry or I'm frustrated. I'm going to eat this thing as an escape valve um, to get that ding of the bell of the dopamine receptor. But then following eating that, I'm feeling guilt, shame, maybe physiological inflammation or discomfort. I mean, I think we've all been there at times. I mean, I think Tex-Mex is one of the main ones where I've had far too many experiences in my past life of Tex-Mexing it up and being like, uh, right when I get home, and then even the next day, just feeling crummy in my body. And then that creates a little bit more of that guilt shame, um, which can be a part of the new habit or the new pattern. Um, so we want to think about taking a step back and um, really trying to not just employ discipline, but employ empowerment with what we do have the ability to influence. So maybe if now we're going back to work or maybe the you know office is closed again or whatnot, think about your day-to-day routines, um, what's been eliminated or adjusted, and with those shifts in times, what you can enter in as proactive choices. So if you have shaved a 90-minute commute, um, and maybe that's 90 minutes of sitting still where you could be sedentary, you could be snacking more, you could be opening wine earlier, maybe that's shifted to time that you sleep in in the morning instead, or maybe that's shifted to time that you get to pick up your little ones from school or that you get to journal or that you get to go for a walk outside or practice meditation or prayer or even fit in an entire yoga class or exercise movement. Whenever we take proactive measures from the changes and we fit in empowering decisions, that tends to have the opposite of that vicious cookie cycle of this empowerment cycle where we feel kind of badass and awesome about it. This is the in the zone kind of changes of pattern making. And unfortunately, in the zone can often work better for most people when they give up their control to an exterior plan. And this is like the whole 30. This is the beat the bloat cleanse. This is the 10 day detox where we're saying, okay, I'm going to follow this. I'm going to start feeling awesome. I do feel awesome. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But then there's those underlying areas that start to come in and find us of those old patterns that trip up our progress and can make us fall off track because we didn't own those changes. They weren't our changes. That was Mm -hmm. Allie Miller's protocol, not, you know, my personal protocol. And so I think that this is really important whenever we're doing a program or a plan, how do you empower yourself and stamp it as your own brand of having an impact that it means something specific to you, not to someone else? Yeah, that's such a good point. Like, okay, it's day 11 of the 10-day detox. Where do I go? Yeah. Where do I go now? And that's where like the 12-week meal plan, it's a full 12 weeks of support. And I mean, in theory, you could just repeat that over four times in a year and stay on that plan indefinitely, right? Yeah. Um, Well, and it's, you know, it's 21 days to make a new habit. And then, you know, once we've established that 21 days consistency, 90 days is what research. So, 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 you know, our 12 week, 
keto meal plan covers you that whole three months. Yeah. So that's why we did it that way, of course. Duh. (laughs) We're so smart. Um, (laughs) And research driven. Um, Awesome. Um, So um, as we're talking about, you know, shifting to just more meaningful use of our time and and using our time to find things that actually like fulfill and fill our own cup, if you will, um, let's just dig into where bad habits might originate kind of in the first place. Yeah, and that's the deep work. So, you know, I've I've talked to, and this is what I, I talked to this Patreon call about, um, you know, these three phases of change. So I think we should probably discuss this first as we're discussing the, that third permanent level of change. So the three phases of change, the first one is the immediate. And so these are the 300 plus food related decisions you're making daily. You know, it's the, I do I want avocado on my burger? Or, you know, I'm going to substitute the fries for a salad or X, Y, Z. And these are the immediate changes that we make as we're ordering our food, as we're preparing our food, as we're putting the bites into our mouth. Then there is going to be the environmental changes, which are kind of that second layer. Environmental changes would be cleaning out your pantry. Um, Environmental changes would be maybe making an appointment with Becky or myself for external accountability. Environmental changes could be same thing with like a personal trainer, right? Having your schedule of exercise classes or yoga classes or personal training sessions. This is this accountability as more of a prevention mechanism, if you will. So you're planning, you're preventing, and you're putting out that intention. And this tends to be more environmental. So maybe if it's with snack foods and cravings, it's literally saying to your husband that you can't keep the ice cream in the freezer in our house. You're going to have to put that in the freezer in the garage because it, it, it hits my willpower when it's the end of the night. I'm trying to thaw out meats and I have to look at that damn ice cream. So all of these are that phase two. You've thought through it. You're trying to anticipate areas of weakness and trying to proactively apply areas to be um, goal-oriented. And then the third area of change, which is the stickiest, is the emotional. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So you can go back and forth from awesome, immediate, and environmental change. But that emotional change will often find you. And so when we're talking about where bad habits originate, you know, I mean, especially in foods, this conditioning can be deep patterns that, you know, food was maybe used for a reward. Or maybe food was used as one area of empowerment. Um, Maybe it was used as escapism. But for many of us, we have this I was a good girl or I was a good boy syndrome of I got through the day and I want a reward you know I'm patting myself on the back for getting through another Monday what do I get what do I get what's the cookie at the end of the day and this happens because there's often a void that's created through our stressful day-to-day function and so if we're in this void type mentality then we're feeling victimized and we're looking for an escape and once you feel vulnerable and victimized victimized during your day, then you don't generally want to go for a healthy escape. At that point, you're feeling victimized and you want to kind of go for a punish escape. And that's what creates this subconscious, I think, deep level layering of self-sabotage in the world of food as medicine and diet mentality. Sure. Um, and, and the emotional work is the hardest 
part. Yeah. But what can we do here? Yeah. So, I mean, in the emotional work, I think some things we can do is right away starting to work with like our thought patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where I'm a really big proponent of, you know, talking about that nocebo effect of how negative thought patterns can actually drive harm in the body. So we talked about probably two years ago, I don't think I mentioned it in a while, there was a researcher that did a quote unquote chemotherapy drip and it was just a saline drip and the majority of the participants actually had vomiting and retching from this fake pseudo chemotherapy because they were told it was chemo and so they believed that it was going to harm them and it physiologically had an impact in fact over 30 percent of the participants had hair loss which that's really crazy like to be able to be so um i guess emotionally tricked if you will that your physical body responds in manifestation of disease if you will or Mm -hmm. of a toxin as if you actually received a toxin and so when we're thinking through our day-to-day function of like I'm never going to get through my whole list. I have so much going on. I, uh, I I hate this boss or whatever these thought processes are. When we're in this negative thought pattern and we're using negative words like should, can't, any any you know consonant with an NT uh, type of approach of a word, we're really starting to create that negative harmful thought pattern that digs us deeper into the void that we then have to escape out of. And so one way is reworking and workshopping our thought patterns patterns and taking out the negative to neutral. So even from the like, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm never getting to get to the end of my day. I can't believe I have to now go do this. It's like, I am making steps to get to the bottom of my list. Um, Or I have a lot of expectations and I'm managing what I can as best I can. Um, It doesn't have to be super poly positive, but at least getting to a neutral level will help to reduce the level of the depth of the void that we find ourselves in if that makes sense yeah um and so that negative to neutrality i think is key and then even going further maybe practicing times to fill up the void throughout the day so that you aren't finding that depth of that low that you have to escape out of so does that mean um, during your lunch break, looking at five photos of your child? Um, does that mean versus Instagram? Like what actually fills you up versus makes you feel more depleted and, and you know, stressed out and um, less whole? Um, what are wholesome actions that can really replete that you can practice? So again, could that be prayer? Could that be meditation? Could that be a mantra? Um, where can we start to practice gratitude so that when that end of that stressful day hits, yes, we took on a lot, but we're not in this deep void. And then there's a whole nother world of actually, you know, creating and identifying habits. And I've kind of worked out this five-step process, if you will, that I do in clinic with my patients. Okay. Let's go through it. Okay. So maybe some example. Yeah. 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 So, you know, IDing the habit and discovering triggers and obstacles is the first thing. So I'm going to use the example for my Patreon call and um, I'm going to call her Karen. Um, So Karen has the habit of uh, having a snack brownies um, whenever they have like a team meeting and there's snacks and stuff not in her household because she's made the environmental change, but at her workspace, there's Halloween candy, there's there's Valentine's candy, there's all these treats from reps. And she's finding herself not just having one, but like grabbing four and having them really rapidly and fast as kind of an escape mechanism. Or if there's a meeting, she might have two, three, four brownies. Um, and so there's triggers and obstacles there. One, it sounds like a huge obstacle is the location. 
So she's managed her home. She's not buying things and bringing them home that are sabotaging, but the work environment. Um, and so we start to look at, you know, is there a different route? Does she have to pass so-and-so's desk? Is there a different way to get to the meeting without passing that? Um, is the trigger that this is a meeting afternoon and that she does better with morning meetings? And can she modify her schedule? Is the trigger that she under ate earlier in the day? And when she has these team meetings and knows there's a stimulus, she needs to ensure she has a heartier breakfast or ensure that she has a 10 a.m. snack of an apple with almond butter, which is going to give her a little bit of carb maybe than her normal day, but give her that satiety and that fill that she feels satisfied and stronger willpower going into those higher triggering times. So those are kind of the types of process that we think about with identifying the habit and looking at triggers and obstacles. And then we move down to an action timeline. So when we're looking at new habits and new patterns, we know that procrastination actually makes it harder to change a bad habit. We see this especially with like smoking cessation. I know it's bad and then you continue to accept it and then you continue to just do the bad habit and identify yourself as someone that does bad habits. Um, the longer you put off taking action, especially when your health is concerned, the unhealthier you or the situation will get. So having a conscious commitment of once you've identified the habit and you know the triggers and the obstacles, having a conscious commitment is necessary and it has to be measurable and time specific. So when we're looking at, again, a, an ideal time frame, we're looking at three weeks in a row or 21 days in a row of continued habit formation and then 90 days to establish that as an actual ongoing pattern. Okay, so Karen would need to avoid the brownies for 21 days right. to start as kind of her first benchmark. Yeah, right? and so maybe honestly, it's it's even tacking on her planner and circling the dates that there was the stimulus that she denied it. So uh -huh. she's actually seeing a good visual cue of, look, over these 21 days, there were seven opportunities for me to fail and I beat each opportunity. And that looks really empowering as a visual step back of that action timeline, actually seeing the, the quantitative, you know, buildup, if you will. Yes. I love little like star charts in your planner and, and things like that. I think they can be, you know, just as fulfilling as they are for kids getting their like totally sticker. You still want the sticker. I love a good cross off <laughs> list. And honestly, when I'm starting with people that are super overwhelmed, we'll cross off simple things, you know, like um, the things that we might take for granted, like uh, walking outside mm -hmm. or, you know, actually taking the time to blow dry our hair, things like that, that actually might make us feel um, good in our bodies and it's just one more thing to do. Um, I drank my can... water today. Like, yes. Yes. <laughs> totally. So visualization and affirmation and or prayer is where I'd put the third category. Okay. So you're starting to see visualization with maybe that calendar tracking or this list making. Um, we know that this can be a powerful motivational tool and an energizer. And so we could also use with visualization of once this goal is accomplished, what do I feel like, look like, and, and what is different about me? So maybe it's not just the idea of my pant size will be different or, um, you know, my blood pressure is going to go down, which is possibly true, or blood sugar regulation or reducing a medication. There's all those types of things that you can vision map. But how do you feel? Do you feel resilience of energy versus a spike and a crash of energy? Do you feel better quality sleeping? Is cognitive function improved? Is brain chemistry improved? And your overall perception of 
yourself improve because you feel empowered like a winner versus someone that is falling off and like a loser or like that shame train that I talked about earlier. So I think the visualization is huge of, of not just something that's a motivator, but, but what do I look like and feel like and who am I once I accomplish this change? How does that shift the who I am in my body? And then within that, we might employ some affirmations. This is a really great way to program the subconscious into the right mindset and continue to establish that new habit. Again, it's all about empowerment. So at this point, we're able to now feel and imagine ourselves carrying out the correct behaviors, making it easier to adopt the habit. So with visualization, you'd also maybe think through tomorrow's a work meeting. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to have that snack. I'm going to do to do. I'm going to say hi to that desk that I have to walk by. And I'm going to um, give myself an affirmation in advance of you have everything that you need. You are on You are nourished and you are honoring your body. Um, and something like that, you know, sitting with your feet grounded at your desk before you get up and walk that path of, of risk factor um, could be a really great way to just kind of re-put on that bubble wrap and recommit to yourself. And that's going to play a a big role with employing outcomes. I love that. Just like walking through it, like visually yeah. or even drawing it out, writing it out, whatever the night before could work, I think really well. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, if people feel cheesy with affirmations and, you know, they're practicing in faith, they might use a prayer sure. or a biblical scripture verse or employ, you know, you know, God hold me in your hand as I, as I struggle through this this pattern. Um, I'm looking for strength and, and asking for strength might be another way that it feels more natural or supportive for some individuals. Sure. Sure. Um, and then what about, um, finding something to kind of replace or, or establishing some kind of reward? Yeah. So I think that this is essential. We are reward wired beings. And so we're always looking for that cookie. And when I use the word cookie, I don't mean like a cookie cookie, like the Oreo that was as addictive as cocaine. I mean, we're looking at this, you know, what's actually filling the void and what is nourishing that's non-food related. Um, so for me in Pilates class, actually our instructor always says, okay, you get your cookie. And it's the end when we get to do these really deep stretches for our hip flexors. And we're releasing the areas of muscles that we worked most in intensely so that we don't have pain the next day that lactic acid gets all metabolized and it really does like when I'm working out and I'm really stressing my body I'm like I'm gonna get that cookie Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm gonna get that release and it's gonna feel all the better based on how intensive I put myself through this circuit if you will Um, so thinking of that in a physiological sense this could be something that fills the void so again like walking outside like you had said earlier Becky I think that's a great one of okay when the dessert is served I'm actually excuse myself out of the meeting and give myself 10 minutes to get outside of the office, breathe fresh air and reset. And and then maybe again, employ that affirmation and um, feel that full body fill that I'm looking to establish. A reward could also be maybe stacking up points to get a pedicure or a manicure. A reward could be blocking your calendar on that third week to um, have some extra time with one of your children and watercolor paint or something like that. You know, anything that's really going to help you to feel full. And so I guess that's a part of the question for the individual is what fills me up? What feels nourishing? Again, not necessarily physiological, but what feels nourishing in my body and how can I take that to build as a cookie for my new habit formation? Okay. And important to note, this is a non-food related. Yeah. I keep using the word cookie, but we're calling it a cookie. Um, It's kind of that non-food related, you know, reward. Yeah. And then what about external accountability? 
abilities. So is that like finding someone else in the office who is also trying to avoid the problem? Yeah. So I think that yeah. if you're not getting, you know, if you've gone three weeks, you know, two weeks in, you fail on that third week and you're, you're feeling like you need some additional accountability, this would be then, right, talking to, in that said scenario of triggers, either in advance um, or sharing with other people your goals so that you put it out in the universe and now it's like, okay, other people are watching if I'm doing uh-huh. it. Um, and so, you know, you could either claim like, oh, you know, you could put a memo out to your office and be like, oh, please discount me when doing um, catering for lunch from the dessert element. I'm taking on a clean eating protocol. Or um, you could even talk to a coworker and say, hey, um, I saw that you're doing these XYZ meals and it looks like you're trying to get healthy and on track. I'd love to support you in that and create kind of a partnership in that way. If it's something in the household that you're finding yourself doing, I think that's times to like phone a friend, write a letter, connect with your partner or household members to make sure that they all are aware so that it doesn't become a deviant, sneakish um, behavior. Again, that's in that lower vibration negative, which is just going to dig that void further. Totally. So really looking to all of those elements to fill that void and and really to create a system and and accountability within you know avoiding that habit and and making a change and the beauty of it again taking that scenario of that driver's seat is when you do these types of things yes it's work but again you know you're not sitting in the driver's seat of your car when you're sabotaging yourself and when you're feeling heavy and failing with your goals and your strategies and your wellness that's putting you back in that bumper so that's kind of back to that whole conversation that we had Becky about quote-unquote food freedom you know like yeah you can eat anything you want but you can also feel as shitty as you can feel Um, so, you know, having that choice, um, you know, or denying that choice is actually likely more freeing for you in the long haul. It's going to keep you feeling empowered and back in that driver's seat of optimal thrive mode. And that's going to perpetuate and really layer to just continue these different habits that you build. Yep. Totally. That might be the next place that Instagram comes after you though, Allie, because um, this sounds like diet culture. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. I can't talk about it. Nope. Nope. Uh, we're just going to keep plowing through and doing what we do. Yes. Um, in fact, let's cover um, some nutrients of, of yes. need um, or, or nutrients that can, you know, underlie or drive these cravings in the first place. So things that we're not fulfilling. Yes. So when we're looking at nutrients, the first thing I start with is protein. Are you getting ample protein? And I feel like we've hit this like a dead horse in the world of, you know, protein needs as we age being more and more important. But we can see protein deficiency from fatigue, muscle aches. We can see metabolic impact, so lowered resting metabolic rate with protein insufficiency. And these are all signs of malnourishment from protein. So making sure that you're getting ample protein is really important. You're going to get all of those amino acids that are the building blocks for your neurotransmitters to support healthy brain chemistry. That's going to aid in mood stability, reduced anxiety, and a healthy stress response. So on average, getting at least 80 grams daily or like 11 to 12 ounces of biological protein would be a really great choice. And this is where I'd be a big push for our naturally nourished grass-fed whey um, because not only is it a very pure, bioavailable, easy-to-absorb-and-use protein uh 
food. It's also going to be, because it's non-denatured, rich in glycomacropeptidide. And glycomacropeptidide is a polypeptide in a way that is a powerful stimulator of CCK. And CCK is an appetite-suppressing hormone that has essential roles related to gut health. Um, we know that the CCK can also regulate by by regulating appetite and suppressing appetite cravings. So the grass-fed whey smoothie or protein shake would be a really great way to both hit your protein while still getting a biological compound that has beneficial properties on cravings specifically. Cool. And could be sipped on during that meeting when you're avoiding the brownies, right? Absolutely. Like having that instead as your placeholder. You could do could almond really butter powerful. cacao and, and have chocolate. I mean, right? that's pretty great. Yep. Yes. Um, and then magnesium is a big one that we think of as well as, as really a driver of physiological cravings, especially like chocolate cravings around your cycle we've always talked about. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, we can see tensions in our muscle. We can see um, constipation, blood sugar, dysregulation, and we know that stress even further depletes magnesium. So we're looking to get magnesium from our leafy greens, our nuts and seeds, our cacao. So that's definitely a connection there. I think when your body craves chocolate, that it says, I have muscle cramping going on. I need more chocolate. Uh, so that that's a reasonable option there. Uh, relax and regulate would be a really good supplement support if we were dealing with magnesium deficiency, which is literally all of us. So I think that, that would be a good first line of defense because that relax and regulate will always also give us beyond the magnesium bisglycinate, the myo-inositol, which will help with the intracellular signaling, can help with sleep quality, um, and also can help with anxiety regulation, which can offset that craving as well. Okay. And then in that uh, mineral world, zinc would be another driver of, of cravings potentially. Yeah. And so zinc deficiency, we can see hair loss or thinning. Uh, we can see estrogen dominance. We can see issues with immune health. We can see um, issues with vitamin A metabolism and regulation. And then an influence on our vision, we would go for our red meat, our oysters, our pumpkin seeds. And this is where that thyroid optimizer would have a double dip. So our thyroid optimizer has zinc. Um, it also has chromium and other metabolic supporting minerals, but you're also going to get that L-tyrosine, as I mentioned, which is the specific amino acid that drives that dopamine. So I think that this would be, you know, if we're dealing with ongoing cravings and metabolic health issues, that'd be a really good kind of first one, two, three line of offense, line of defense. Totally. And then um, B vitamins, especially thinking about this in the world of, you know, production and uh, balance of neurotransmitters. Yeah. So these work as cofactors of our neurotransmitters. So along with our protein, the B vitamins are going to play a big role in making our neurotransmitters so that we're not dealing with deficiency. And when we're dealing with B vitamin deficiency, we can see neuropathy or tingling sensation in the hands or feet. We can see constipation, depression, anxiety, fatigue. We think that, you know, B vitamins are a big role in supporting stress and metabolic health. And you're going to get your most potent B vitamins from your animal products, especially in your organs. So we did a liver pate in our 12-week meal plan a couple weeks back. I think that was in week four or something like that mm -hmm. or five. Um, so this would be a great option there. Doing um, egg yolks, um, so whole eggs would be a great delivery here. And this is where you might layer in our B complex supplement as well. 
And then not, last but not least, um, essential fatty acid deficiency is a driver of cravings as well. Yeah. So we know that leptin levels, and leptin is that satiety um, regulating hormone. So leptin levels can be off if we don't have ample omega-3 fatty acids in particular. So EPA, DHA, extra would be a great supplement here, especially if we're dealing with some inflammation or we're not eating fish at least three times a week. The goal would be to get the wild caught fish three times a week as well. And then you're going to get um, essential fatty acids in things like your olive oil, your avocado, your coconut oil. This is going to play a big role in supporting skin health as well as hormone health and even cardiovascular. Okay. So within all of that, you know, important to note that cravings really can be our body telling us we need more of something, but likely if your body's telling you food specific, you need more potato chips. <laughs> Maybe it's potassium and sodium and you Maybe. need, you know, to balance your electrolytes. But how do we kind of distinguish between a physical craving and emotional craving? I've heard you say, you know, above the neck and below the neck. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a good way if it's food specific, you know. So generally speaking, when I'm dealing with someone that's having like insatiable hunger, I tend to think that that's that adrenal stress ghrelin connection or, you know, leptin resistance and or neurotransmitter imbalance. And so we work with all those strategies that I just laid out. You could look at a micronutrient test if you're still dealing with some cravings or not feeling satisfied because a micronutrient test would tell us, you know, of the 35 plus different vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants, what's actually functionally deficient so that we could make some food as medicine strategy and really level up our supplementation strategy as well. And so I think that that's all within reason. Um, If we're just looking at is this emotional or physical? I always say you could use the coconut oil test, which is maybe kind of a mean test because I think that, you know, just pure coconut oil on a spoon is not very appetizing. Um, but, you know, that's a really easy assessment of am I physiologically hungry? Um, if I am physiologically hungry, a tablespoon of coconut oil is going to support ketone production. It's going to be giving me 135 calories of pure fuel. And, you know, one or two tablespoons of that should satiate. If when I think of that coconut oil, I think, nope, don't want that, then that's probably a rule of thumb that you're probably dealing with more of an emotional craving or a desire. Um, So I think physical hunger, you're going to often see below the neck in the sense that you're going to have some grumbling in the belly, maybe some digestive or bowel sounds. Um, You might feel a little bit lightheaded, um, which is, I guess, technically above the head, but we're thinking about like some um, blood sugar instability, wooziness, low energy. Um, You might also with physiological hunger, think about the timing from the last time you ate. So, you know, has it been more than minimum four hours from my last intake, then I would consider maybe a physiological and physiological should not be food specific. So maybe you say, okay, I don't want that coconut oil, but I'll just eat leftover protein from my lunch and that's going to satisfy. And if that seems satiable, then maybe you are still physically hungry. But again, if you're playing cat and mouse with potato chips and a chocolate bar and all of these, um, you know, even if natural, more hyper palatable dynamic foods, then that's probably that above the neck where you're thinking about specific flavors, um, experiences, and how you're tapping into that reward bliss factor. 
so that would be more of an emotional craving. That's where I'd say, uh, that's where you would have your tea and your GABA calm and go for that walk yep. and wait it out kind of thing. And I just want to note, it's okay, of course, Becky and I love food. So, you know, it's okay to have desire and think about what do I want to eat and what flavors sound good. And of course, make meals that taste delicious and balance flavors with fat, acid, salt, sweet, and fresh herbs and all that. Um, but if we're dealing with cravings and disordered eating, then we're not really looking for that buffet style of 17 different varieties. We're looking for something that's structured. So that's totally. kind of just how yep. I'd want to delineate that for sure. Yep. And we're all for mindful indulgence at the mm-hmm. same time. But like typically in our households, it'll be a planned indulgence of like, yes. you know, once or twice a week, I made this thing, you know, from ingredients that I know and understand and I'm enjoying it with my family or I think both of us do a lot of baking now still with our our kiddos and that's typically like the indulgence that we have in the household yeah yeah and many of them work really balanced into optimal eating and so then they don't follow then they stay within the empowered space then there's nothing to troubleshoot within it right okay and when we're talking about um kind of the physiological drivers of um cravings I do want to just touch on real quick uh, the role of dysbiosis or, you know, yeast or bacterial overgrowth. Um, we've covered this in, in previous podcasts, but we can see, you know, especially with the um, program upcoming, I, I just want to hit it again. We can see, um, you know, the bugs in our gut literally driving yes. like out of body, especially mm. sugar cravings would yes. be like the big thing to look at there. Yeah. So if you feel like you literally are white knuckling it and there's some intensive out of body cravings for sweet often that can be yeast overgrowth. So doing the beat the bloat cleanse would be huge. Um, And, you know, I would definitely recommend joining the program on April 6th as a great way to not only have that structure, but to actually plow and get rid of those actual living organisms that have their own agenda outside of your DNA to get the fuel that feeds them and keeps them alive. And that's going to be refined carbs and sugar. Yes. Not enough to just blame it on your gut bugs and eat the thing, but let's let's rein it in and, and address the underlying issue for sure. Yes. Um, and then, you know, beyond doing a, a cleanse, um, I think keto would be a really good tool. We've harped on the meal plan a little bit as, as a really good way to create some structure. But, um, you know, if really looking for that reset of your satiety and hunger, looking for blood sugar regulation, we're going to see that leptin reset, you know, the strongest with keto. Absolutely. So, you know, the the blood sugar roller coaster is what's going to create the most dynamic, vicious cycle of addictive tendencies. And we know that sugar crash can cause not only that like guilt, shame, fatigue, but the craving for more sugar and carbs and really messes with our leptin and ghrelin response. We know that because ketones can cross the blood-brain barrier, that ketones actually can regulate and harness our HPA axis, which can regulate more of a parasympathetic from that fight or flight sympathetic mode, which is huge because that in turn can help with cortisol that in turn can help with our neurotransmitters and then we know that ketosis also on its own can upregulate leptin so we can get a lack of leptin or a reduction of leptin resistance in keto for individuals that had excessive body fat they start to lose fat and start to have some leptin sensitivity or for individuals maybe that didn't have an elevated body fat but were dealing with cravings the leptin from the higher fat consumption of the ketogenic diet can give them that satiety valve Um, and so i think that that's huge and what's really important with nutritional ketosis is that you're doing this with a whole food approach you are going to be watching out especially if dealing with dynamic cravings you're going to be watching out for 
the most craveable foods. Um, so, you know, I would say you could always, you don't have to bake, if you're living alone, you don't have to bake an entire pan of bacon. You can open up your bacon and you can bake three slices at a time, you know, and that works fine. Then you're not maybe pinching or if you're feeling like that's one that would be, you'd go for the whole pack kind of thing. So be mindful of the craveable foods and really watch replacing, of course, any of the sugary baked goods and whatnot with those keto based processed foods or non-caloric sweeteners you know we definitely would want to avoid of course the erythritol the monk fruit the stevia because those are hyper palatable we want to really replace with whole real foods to stay savory and allow that brain chemistry to really rewire and then you can further up your leptin by increasing your physical activity getting ample sleep so that's where again that sleep support supplement could be of benefit Overall, decreasing your sugar intake and including more fish in your diet can help with leptin sensitivity, um, and that in turn will also help with triglyceride levels, which play a huge role with cardiometabolic health. Okay, and then finally, let's round it out with just some recipe ideas um, to maybe help to curb cravings and, and some of our favorites that are you know whole food replacements for craveable items. Yes. So I think as far as um, like bites of fuel, one that's really fun is our pumpkin keto cheesecake bites. Um, those are like rolled in pecans and do really well in the freezer um, as something as a just kind of quick go-to. And so that could be something that you work in your behavior replacement rewiring. Of If you're still doing something after dinner, you limit it to one choice and you make sure that that one choice is health supporting. Um, another good one that I think would come up as like a party-friendly share would be like parm crisps um, as something that's salty crunchy and would be lower carb because you're getting more of that protein and fat there and we have various versions of parm crisps on the blog um, kale chips could also fall into that world of a salty crunchy with you know higher volume lower calorie density um, smoked salmon roll-ups I think would be awesome or our nori salmon roll which we did on a YouTube video about stress and snacks so we can link that video that has its own gamut of benefits and um, recommendations and um, getting the nori sheet in there with the salmon great way to get that protein up as well as that tyrosine um, olive tapenade in cucumber cups would be really great as a tool as well. So you're getting good variety of savory, crunchy, salty, you know, a little bit of moderate sweet. I would throw in, I guess, also our macadamia bacon chocolate chip cookies mm -hmm. and even the low carb chocolate chip cookies in the anti-anxiety diet, which again, could work to have one cookie daily, still staying whole food, food as medicine, keto approach and give you that nourishment versus that escape valve of that void. And, and that's, I think, the biggest aha of, you know, today's episode is really just getting into the place of identifying patterns when we feel weak and how we can shift that vulnerability or weakness into an area of empowerment and strength. So what are the choices that we are in control of? How can we manifest something that's positive and enriching in those times? Um, and for everyone, it's going to look a little bit different, but I can't wait to meet with so many of you at the Women's Wellness Retreat and bring this all to life. Um, I think even just with the, the daily movement that we're going to be doing and just tapping into our bodies, that these are going to be a lot of ways of the unraveling of the onion, if you will, and, and kind of connecting and hearing ourselves again after so many years for many of us of just kind of going through the motions and... <laughs> 
muscling it through. Sure. Um, I think that we all need a deep, deep refill and recharge. And so I'm really looking forward to that opportunity. Um, if you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure that you go on over to wherever you're listening, whether that's Google Play or Spotify or Apple iTunes, leave us a five-star review and what you're loving. And then I'd love to see you at the Women's Wellness Retreat. You can grab a spot at AllieMillerRD.com. While you're over there, you could otherwise grab or also a spot in our Beat the Bloat program, uh, our 12-week food is medicine meal plans. And I look forward to hanging out with some of you guys over on Patreon as well. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Nourished podcast. Visit our blog at AllieMillerRD.com for recipes, wellness tips, and food as medicine meal plans. Connect with Allie and Becky at AllieMillerRD on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Until next time, stay nourished and be well.